This is episode 14 with the founder of Hucker for Life, Leon Ruri. G'day everyone and welcome to The Blokecast. I am your host, Brendan Hardman, and each week we bring you an inspirational guest or message to help you blokes out there live a holistically healthy lifestyle. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are around the world and let's get stuck in. Men live and die in silence. and When the haka is performed, there is no silence. This quote today comes from our guest, Leon Ruri, who is the founder of Hucker for Life. Today's intro is going to be nice and quick as the episode is a little bit longer than normal. So simply put, this episode is incredibly raw and incredibly emotional. I was on the verge of tears multiple times whilst recording and whilst on the call with Leon. And it is just one hell of an incredible journey and one hell of a story. But before we get stuck into today's episode, let's announce our legend of the week. Today's legend of the week is Tua Novice, who has given us a five-star rating. Thank you first for your rating, Tua Novice, and let's get stuck into your review. It is a long one, and I'm not very good at reading things out loud, so hopefully I don't butcher it. Okay, here we go. A man that has been through hell sees a light that changes his life, our world, our human zoo, breeds overthinking and negativity in internalizing toxic thoughts. And the blokecast so eloquently provides insight into the darkness and the journey we all can embrace to escape that captivity of our brain. A must listen. Okay, we got through that. It did, um, for the record, it did take me like four times to actually record that because I butchered it that many times. But thank you to a novice for your rating and for your review. Oh, this, is, this is one of the reasons why I love doing this. I absolutely love getting this feedback. I love reading the ratings. I love reading the reviews. So if you want to be featured on one of our upcoming episodes, then please just jump onto iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. It doesn't matter what it is, uh, whether it's five star, four star, three star, one star, doesn't really matter. Whatever you think uh, we're doing right or we're doing wrong, then give us a rating, give us a review. So sit back, relax, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and let's get stuck in. All right, legends, welcome to the Blowcast. I'm so pumped today to get stuck into this episode and we have the founder of Hucker for Life, Leon Ruri here. Mate, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Oh, thanks, Brendan. It's an honor to be on your show, brother. I'm really looking forward to this conversation that we're about to create, man. Oh, man, me too. I'm so, so pumped. And I, we were just saying off air how, how I just jumped at the opportunity when I saw that, you, you know, that, that I could potentially get you on here and, and, and let you, I guess, share your story, but, you know, let, let you share your journey. But most importantly, the lessons that you've kind of taken away from that, it was just a, it was a no brainer for me, mate. I just wanted to jump at it straight away. So I'm super fucking pumped to, to get stuck into this. Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes to get to this moment, mate. So. Oh, don't we all, <laughs> mate? Hopefully I can oh, share man. a few insights. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest things I love to always tell people is they always, you know, they always 
talk about that, uh, you know, things they've done wrong or always, always say that you know, there's no real wrong decisions. There's just lessons in life. And it's just the amount, the amount of learning that you take away from those, from those decisions is just greater. If you, if you happen to make a poor decision rather than a, rather than a good one. Yeah. I, hey, look, I totally agree. And I think as I've gotten older, um, I've been less inclined to make those mistakes over and over again. It's a bit easier the first time you learn. Yes, yes. Hey, hindsight's a great thing, but I noticed that as I've matured, I, I tend not to do some of the things uh, in a repetitive nature that I may have done in the past. Uh, but hey, I suppose it comes with age and, and with maturity and with experience in life that there's some things that you want to experience again and there's others that you just don't want to at all. Yeah, definitely, mate. They always learn from your lessons, I guess. So, mate, um, just for the listeners who are out there, what we'll do is we'll just give you, get you to give a quick snapshot of what is Hucker for Life first, and then we'll kind of get stuck into your story, and then, then we'll kind of work through as to how you actually came about and developed Hucker for Life. But for those listening that may not have heard of Hucker for Life, what is it? Yeah, um, Hucker for Life is a, a men's mind health and suicide prevention organisation that was based upon my experiences in life and my breakdowns in life and the way that I communicated and the impact that it had on people around me. Uh, I was passionate about men and the way that they were treated after the breakdown of my marriage and then seeing how I'd struggled in life and seeing the real lack of help that's available to men out there in our community. I'd done a self-development course a couple of years ago Mm-hmm. And the self-development course was about creating a, a project for the community that impacts it in a positive way. And one of the things that I was, you know, thinking about at the time was there was a lot of uh, talk about the stigma of silence and how many men were committing suicide um, or taking their lives. Sorry, is the right language they use today. But I, I saw inside of that that when I performed the haka, um, silence didn't exist and yet the haka was such a powerful form of communication and for me I believe it's the most powerful way that I can really express myself so I wanted to demonstrate to men women and children that there's an, a, a form of communication where you can be fully expressed and it didn't matter who you are where you're from or what your background was you could impact um, any space that you walked into um, immediately when you're self-expressed and I use the art form of haka in a sense, for people to be able to perform that for a short amount of time. But what I also want to get them connected to is that there is access to us as human beings being able to powerfully express ourselves. And um, it matters not really whether we're performing a haka, but even just being in communication in life is such a powerful uh, gesture and a powerful action for us to, to take. Um, I've been able to create a movement of people that have been able to uh, connect to it. Last year, I uh, created the first ever haka in Corroboree. Um, I started Hucker for Life in 2017 by doing the Hucker at Kings Park in Perth and it went viral on the internet. And uh, I wasn't expecting that at all. I just thought I'd go there and pay my respects to the Anzacs. My great-grandfather was in the New Zealand Rifle Company in World War One, so it's something that I'm really proud about. My dad's namesake, Uncle William Hutchison, is buried in a war cemetery in Belgium. So Anzac Day has uh, such a significant meaning to me. I did the Hucker. It went viral but I wanted to create and empower the Aboriginal people too. And I just think that Anzac Day is such a special and sacred day that we share as Australians and New Zealanders. And it was something that I wanted to create to bring us together and in doing that empower Indigenous cultures as well. So I use Indigenous dance on that day uh, to be able to do that, connect uh, people of all different walks and nationalities and colours and cultures to a form of expression that exists in the world. And I've been successful so far at getting a lot of people to... Uh, join the movement 
to speak about how, um, you know, their feelings and about where they are in life. And a, a lot of that comes about because of the way that I share. And I look, I'm not a fellow that, well, now in life, I'm, I'm not a guy that sidesteps um, any issues that I have. I'm a man that is responsible. Um, I'm not into talking shit. If I get asked something, I'll tell you straight. If I, I don't know the answer, I won't tell you at all or, or I'll you know, be honest about where things are at. Yeah, what I realised is that the, you know, the art form of haka and corroboree is able to empower people and really have them connected to a way of expressing themselves like they hadn't before. So I'm um, yeah. so passionate around this and you know, making sure that we increase the movement of these people that have joined us and been a part of this project. Yeah, man, that's unbelievable. And, and it really, you know, just that it really resonates with me, just the fact that you're talking about um, empowering people to have a voice because it's so often that we find that that people are just either too afraid to speak up or they just don't have the, they don't, they're almost ashamed with themselves to be able to do that, to be able to take that step to be able to talk up. And I just love the fact that you're talking about that. Hey, it doesn't matter if you're doing a haka. It doesn't matter if you're doing, you know, you're talking about your feelings. It doesn't matter if you're telling your, your wife that you love them or whoever it is, your best mate that, they, that you love them or, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You're just speaking up and you're just, you're just coming out there and you're having a voice. And mate, I just, I just think it's so powerful, the movement that you're, that you're creating here. Yeah, thanks, Ben. And look, and one of the things that we're not powerful at as human beings is really just expressing our thoughts and feelings just on a normal level, e.g., you know, let's call this a normal level. And, mm. and I say normal in the sense that it's it's not a funeral yeah. or it's not somebody that's been in an accident or it's not somebody that's been declared with a terminal illness of any type. It's just a matter of we're, we're not strong in saying, hey, Bryn, I love you, man, and I, I really appreciate you. Um, I, I love the fact that you do these podcasts for men and to empower men to keep them alive. You know, we, we tend to wait as human beings for something significant to take place before we really open up our feelings. And that's a cultural thing in, in Australia and New Zealand and, and probably yeah. to a wider extent around the world as well as men. So that's what I want to give men access to. That's why I share the way that I share and I'm open about the, the things that I've done and the things that I haven't done so that people can just see just through our sharing and, and even conversations like this that it's just normal. Now yep. we've got to remove this facade that we have in these um, feelings of shit, people are going to judge me or am I going to be perceived as soft or hey, only, only dickheads or pufters talk like that. You know, these are some of the conversations that go on in our heads or these are the sorts of thoughts that get shared with each other. But just really at a core level, when we disappear all the talk about the football or, hey, how are the kids or, hey, it's bloody hot today or it's cold, depending on what sort of weather pattern we're in at what time of year, to authentically just saying and connecting with people that, that we're around that we love that, hey, man, I really love you. I just want to tell you in this moment that I love you and I appreciate who you are. We, we need to empower uh, men, if we can empower men to have more of those conversations from a younger age, then I really, really believe that we're going to change the outcome of the lives that we're seeing where, where men are choosing to take their lives and, and exiting this thing that we call life as a journey at such an early age. Yeah, man. No, it's just, oh, it gets me, gives me shivers just, just, just thinking about it, mate. I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm making a few stops over to Perth um, coming up soon. And so I'm going to have to come over and and give it a crack, I think, mate, and have a have a crack at it and uh, learn. Oh, oh, yeah, I'd love you to, man. Hey, look, I I organised a we had a memorial service here in Perth uh, last yeah. week, and um, that was at the Perth Mosque. And I yeah, had okay. uh, I had Muslims saying, "Hey, we want to come do the haka," and some of them were ladies and burkas. 
Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, this is people that, oh, you know, for me, hey, I don't know much about the Muslim faith. I've, I've learned, certainly learned a lot in the last couple of weeks about it. But these were people that were connected to a form of expression. They just said, wow, we just love how you can be so fully expressed. And yeah. so, hey, hopefully they join us for Anzac Day as well, too. Um, I, and I never thought in 100 years that I'd have Muslims that would even have a conversation about wanting to do a haka. And you know, I want to connect them to the Krobri because the Krobri is the indigenous dance of Australia. Yeah, it's, and, it's unreal. And, I've seen it done a few times and it's just, oh, it's, it's, I love it. I think it's, a, I think it's an incredible thing to watch. Oh, hey, I've been so blessed, Brent, since my journey last year to create Corroboree for Life with my mate Ash Penfold and to really get connected to how incredibly wonderful the Aboriginal culture is of our land. I mean, I've always been astonished by it because of how old it is, but to really to get connected um, to how special it is and for me in my position to be able to see how they prepare and you know, the, um, the acknowledgement to the spirit of this land that goes into the way that they, um, they prepare themselves and the way that they acknowledge it, just how connected they are when they're performing corroboree dance and the didgeridoos and the, you know, the tapping sticks that get used and the ceremonies that get followed. Um, it's just something that I really want our people and our, you know, the people of our culture in Australia to understand um, and to connect them. That's why I'm so passionate about that culture as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've only become, I guess, more, I've only learned uh, more about the Indigenous culture in the past few years. We've obviously, I grew up learning about it at, um, at school, but the, I, you know, I don't think the, the way that the, the curriculum is, is really structured in Australia doesn't really give it, give it justice. And over the past few years, I've kind of, uh, I've started to learn a lot more about that because I'm a part of a, a group called Outback Academy, which does a lot for kids, uh, for Indigenous kids with um, with disabilities. And the thing that I learned the most is, and the thing I love the most about the Indigenous cultures, how connected they are with everything around them. Whether it's whether it's their family, whether it's their you know their wider community, or whether it's the the earth and and the way that nature uh, reacts in environments. You know their ability to uh, their ability to essentially farm the the australian land for thousands of years and be so connected to that environment is just incredible and it's something that blows me away and it's something that i want to you know challenge myself to learn to learn more about and to really truly appreciate uh that and then i guess on the flip side of that is 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 the hucker is just it's something that i've always been fascinated about as well and so you know, when I started to consume your content, it's just, it's giving me that same, I have that same feeling, that same burn that I just want to learn more. You know, I just want to, I want to consume myself in it so I can learn how, how it connects tribes together back in, back in New Zealand and how, how, it, whether it's a war dance or whether it's a, a ceremonial dance or whatever, whatever the type of context it's in is just, it's just, I just want to learn more. I just think it's incredible. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, it's, it's just been a blessing to be able to bring that, I suppose, to open it up on, on, the right day really um there's probably no other day on our calendar in, in australia that we could introduce a haka and, and it be sort of listened to in a certain way because of the connection of the anzacs yes and, definitely and, and for me it was just sort of a, a, a natural um i suppose a natural thought process to have haka and corroboree but then to learn and really get present to the fact that well uh, the haka and corroboree that we created in perth last year was the first one ever yeah. For an Anzac Day service in the history of the Anzacs was quite incredible. And uh, I mean, this year, you know, we're going to move into it again very shortly. We start our camps this weekend, but 
there's so many uh, RSLs that, that are on board now and, and requesting, hey, can you come and do a hucker and a corroboree? So I really think that it's going to be something that's going to grow and, and, and I think even strengthen our relationships as two countries, as Australia and New Zealand. And, um, you know, I think to a degree, even our podcast and what we're talking about, the, the, you know, that thing about relationships is so important um, that yeah. we have healthy relationships in our lives, whether it be our countries of Australia and New Zealand, uh, together or whether it be you know me and yourself or anybody else that's listening to these podcasts is having re- healthy relationships in life is such an important part of uh, keeping us alive and, and ensuring that our experience of life is, is as great as it can be yes 100 percent second that mate and you know along with healthy relationships becomes healthy communication and, and you know communication is is such a huge key. People don't understand how big it is, is to be able to talk and to be able to communicate with people and to be able to actually put a voice to what's going on in your mind is, is just huge. Like it's, it, it just changes, especially when you're talking about relationships, like your family and your spouse or, you know, your, your, your best friends, whatever it is, if you can put a voice to what it is that's going on in your head, then you eliminate all of the other factors that go with it. Because when you don't put a voice to, you know, what you're feeling and what you're thinking about, then all of a sudden, that voice in your head starts to creep in and starts to say, Oh, this person doesn't appreciate me. This person doesn't understand what I'm going through. No one gets it. It's just me on my own. When, if you, you know, if you learn how to have that, that those positive relationships and that, and that positive communication and that good communication skills, then all of a sudden you take that, you take that voice in your head away and it just becomes non-existent. Yeah. Look, and I think that's the key to any of us as human beings is being able to quieten that voice, that internal dialogue that we're having with ourselves. It's, it's certainly a measure as to how healthy our minds are is the sort of internal dialogue that we can wake to every day. You know, when I wake up from a sleep and sort of what's my thought process in the morning. Um, I, you know, for myself, I observe what my thoughts are and, and I always keep in tune and in check with how my mind is and, and the type of thinking that I've got present. And it's certainly something that I believe that we need to empower ourselves with or empower each other with is to make sure that we're interrupting any negative conversation that we're having with each other. I mean, it's that conversation in essence, really, that if we are able to interrupt, then we're certainly going to change the suicide rates that exist in our country. I mean, quite at current, we've got 86 Australians every single day are taking their lives yep. and over six of those are, are men. Amen. Yep. And, and, you know, so there's a real opportunity for us there to connect with men whereas not only an opportunity, but I suppose a necessity to agree to interrupt that conversation that men are having with themselves about themselves. And unless we're able to interrupt that conversation, then those rates of suicide are only going to increase. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um... One of the things I'm, I guess, um, and we're kind of sidetracked here from our, from well, we, we're not really sidetracked, we're just on a bit of a segue at the moment. But one of the things I'm so, uh, I guess, I'm really super keen now is, and this is which is why the Hucker for Life really jumps at me is, is about early intervention, and it's about not trying to fix things when it's too late to be fixed, um, which is I think where a lot of our services are kind of aimed at the moment. Which, which, our, the, you know, the when we're talking about psychologists, psychiatrists, the work they do is incredible. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm never going to be one to ever say a bad word about that that type of therapy that you can get but if we can teach people these skills earlier then we can prevent them from being at that that uh that spot in their lives and so early intervention now is is something that i'm 
I'm super keen to focus on is to, you know, develop these skills. And we're not talking about communication. We're talking about like so many other things, like you just mentioned mindfulness before, which is just incredible. It's something to do, you know, morning and night, which I can't recommend more. But if you're developing these other skills and so you have a tool bag that you can call upon anytime that you're within a depressive mood, you have a traumatic situation, whatever, or an anxiety driven situation, whatever it is, you can have this set of tools that you can, you can call upon, you can use, then it's just going to prevent people from, or it's going to hopefully, you know, slow that, um, I guess that rate of people uh, being at the point where they're about to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah, man. And hey, there's one thing for you to get with these podcasts. These are early intervention tools. Mm, yeah. These conversations are absolutely and utterly early intervention tools because they're men speaking openly and honestly about the, the challenges that we've had in life. And it's an access to other men or other women and children uh, to a degree to, to listen to these and understand that they're not alone in, the, in their thought patterns or not alone yeah. in the things that they've gone through. So look, you know, as, as as much as we might get on here and have a conversation and talk about other things being tools, um, these are certainly tools to early intervention as well, these sorts of conversations. And I'm all for um, empowering um, our children because when you talk about yes. early intervention, yeah, I really think that, uh, you know, our, our construct of our education system today, I don't think serves humanity um, on the capacity level that it, that it should do as far as human beings being able to traverse through life in a way that they're not impacted so much by um you know the expectations of this world we're just there's a a lot of effort that's poured into children being um, educationally trained or academically trained um however it doesn't seem to matter um how much qualifications that we've got in this world today uh, these suicide rates and these depression rates and anxiety rates are at an all-time high and it's just getting worse. So we've got yeah. to really teach these children how to traverse through life, to communicate better, um, to be able to create spaces where we're able to have these open conversations and know that it's just absolutely normal. And and hey, and being with the fact that sometimes in conversations you might segue from the original track to where you are and it's all totally perfect. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely perfect. So you spoke about some some challenges there that you've gone through. I'd be really keen to if you if you're willing just to to have a chat about your story and about your journey and how you you know how you how I guess what you've been through in your life and then how you've come to this point now and and develop yeah the look, that you do. yeah awesome. Look, I I grew up in a, a town in New Zealand which was about an hour south of Auckland, a small town. It's a really family orientated town. A lot of people knew each other or know each other in that town. It's still a place that are so dear to my heart. I've lived in Australia since I was 18 and I've been here for 25 years now. So I'm getting on in age uh, a little bit. <laughs> I've lived in Australia more than I have in New Zealand. Um, Australia has definitely shaped um, who I am today so, so much. But in my earlier years in life, I grew up in, a, in, my, in the Maori culture where um, they would call it child abuse these days, but it was called just, it was just normal in my day where you just got the shit beaten out of you as a kid. And it was just, it was just something that you didn't, you know, I mean, I didn't bother telling you about it because you were probably having the same sort of treatment as well. And it was just sort of normal behavior. You didn't know anything different. Yeah. Um, you know, so my dad was very, very heavy with his hand. Uh, when I was growing up, I, I remember, you know, a number of times, I mean, he would come home and you just knew, especially when mum said, you wait till your father gets home. And, and that translated back in those days to, hey, you were going to get it. 
So what mm. I would do as a kid was is I would hide everything that I knew could be used as a weapon against me. Um, and I mean everything. Like it was the, you know, if it's during winter time where you, you hid the coal shovel um, because that was going to be used. You hid the poker. Um, you hid the vacuum cleaner pipe. You hid, um, you know, the, well, well, we didn't really have a jug cord there, but, you know, any cords like that, you made sure that they were in, in sort of sight of the old man because when he'd get home, you'd just use whatever was in sight. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so that was sort of the upbringing. And I never realized the impact that that had. I remember one time having three squash rackets broken on my ass um, and it cut me up quite bad on my backside. I couldn't sit down. My arm was cut from it. Uh, that, that was a night that we had my school sports carnival. So I still had to go to that. I remember some friends talking to me and I was crying at the school in the toilets, showing them what had happened. Um, but at the same time, you had to go there and put on a smile. But I was behind closed doors. I was crying with my friends. And I remember another time when I was about six, uh, when the old man, I didn't get into the, to the bath quick enough and, and mum was on at him. And he picked me up and punched me in the head. Um, and then threw me into uh, the door frame or the door to go in towards the bathroom. And that, that was probably the first time that I'd ever been um, punched, you know, like, I, I mean, you're a guy, I don't know. I don't know whether you've been punched in the head before. Quite a few uh, times. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, the difference between a slap and a punch, you know, when yeah, you're punched, you you're punched heavy handed, there's definitely a, a, a different sort of feeling that comes with it. So that was something that really, I was an absolute shock as a kid. Um, and I remember getting thrown in the bath and, um, you know, just crying and just being in fear, but it was just normal. You became conditioned to it, man. Yeah. Um, on, on top of that, I was sexually abused by a family member, um, you know, for, for a while. And, and again, I, it wasn't until I got older and it certain, most certainly in the last couple of years and I was having meetings with a psychologist and, I got present to the impact that sexual abuse and physical abuse has on children. And my mum actually works in child services here now. And she says that their psychologists and their industry experts say that the biggest impacts on a, on a child is, is both physical abuse and sexual abuse when they're growing up. It really impacts them. So I, I look at myself in some ways as a, as a bit of a miracle because even though I describe those things that have happened to me, they're not things that I put out in front of me as excuses for the way I either am or I'm not in life. Yep. Um, for me, those were just experiences that happened to me. Uh, my relationship with my dad these days is totally transformed. Um, it's totally different to what it was as a kid growing up. I hated my father. Yeah. Uh, and with a passion, you know, like it was just, he was a fuckwit and that's what I thought of him. And I, uh, I didn't care. Other people might've liked him. I didn't like my dad. Um, that's just how it was. And, that started to transform in me as I became a father myself, actually. And I realized the challenges of being a father and sort of all the dialogue that goes on with yourself about the failings that I had as a father and at times um, being grumpy with my children, at times me hitting my children as well and, and, and not wanting to, but, you know, realizing, shit, I'm, this is on repeat. This is me doing what my father done and then learning that my you know, my father's relationship with my grandfather was a terrible one when my dad and my grandfather used to punch up. Yeah. But I had a great relationship with my grandfather. I loved him so much and he was so beautiful to me. Um, but then realizing that my grandfather's uh, father was a cruel man and, you know, used to beat the absolute shit out of them and, and my, you know, my great-granduncles and aunties and 
So it was just generational. You know, and I started to learn about this intergenerational trauma that carries on and these ways of being that we are. And, you know, I got sort of present to the fact that I, I didn't want to pass it on to my sons. You know, it wasn't a cool thing for me to hit my children. So I learned that many years ago. I mean, I had to move to the no-hit policy. And, and at times, I tell you what, that's been challenging as well. Yeah. Because sometimes, going back to the old school way, sometimes you just need a good kick up the ass, I think, to get you present. Yeah, And for, for as much as me, I mean, I remember times in my life where I've been a dickhead. Yeah. And, and a punch in the head certainly got me present to the fact that, hey, it's not cool to be a dickhead. And no, I didn't want to be a dickhead. Um, you know, but those are the sorts of lessons that you learn in life. Look, I... You know, in amongst those things, I I experimented the first time that I had marijuana was at 13 years of age back in New Zealand. I mean, we grew up in a town where that was prevalent and I've got family members that grow it and I've, I've sold it. I've sort of walked all that journey, but I never realized the impact of smoking marijuana would, would have on, on my morality around drugs, you know, and that would play a bigger part in my life later on. Um, obviously... Uh, becoming sexually active at a, at a young age fucks your mind. And for anybody that's listening to this podcast, I absolutely am with you in relation to anybody that's suffered sexual abuse. It, it is without doubt something that fucks your mind and something for many people that they don't sort um, support for to be able to talk about it. Yeah. And so I don't, that's why I say to you, Brent, I don't hide behind the things that I um, was impacted by in my life. But at the same time, I don't blame anybody as well for why, me, do you, why do you think that is is, is it is it the shame side of things Cause i know i do know that there there's when you talk about sexual abuse there's um in terms of the, the therapy side of things there's a lot of shame that comes through when you're you know people who are victims are made to feel like they're the ones that should be ashamed and is that kind of the reason why people don't come forward or what, what's your oh opinion? it is yeah it is embarrassing you know it's like yeah. how, how do you talk about that one thing that i've seen on my journey uh, in my life is that I've seen a distinct difference. I, I was sexually abused by a lady. Okay. And, and for me personally, it, it hasn't impacted on, on how I perceive myself to be a man or, or on my manhood or the fact that I'm a man. Okay. Yep. What I have seen and my, you know, my two younger brothers were sexually abused and I've seen the impact when, when, a, when a male sexually abuses another male. Yep. which was the case with my brothers and the case with other friends that I've known and, and, and other mates and, and whatnot. And, and I've seen that there's a, a difference. Now I, I'm not clinically qualified and all that sort of stuff. I'm not academically yeah. qualified. I mean, I, I left, I got asked to leave school at the end of year 10 because I'd been in too many punch ups and I wasn't doing work. And I graduated with five E's in my, you know, year 10 year. And, and that's, that's, you know, a lot of my education. So I'm not a qualified clinical psychologist or anything like that, but I can share with you from my experience in life, not out of a textbook, that I have seen a distinct difference with men that are sexually abused by other men um, and the impact that it has there. Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, I've had mates that have shared with it. I've had uh, friends of my sons. I've got two sons and I've had some of their friends that have shared some of their experiences because they obviously know the work that I do and what I'm passionate about. And I've certainly seen a distinct difference there. What, one thing I am clear about is that you can seek support to be able to talk to psychologists and to talk to people about what you're thinking and the impact that it's having. I, I've only just come back from New Zealand a couple of weeks ago and I shared 
a similar story to what I'm sharing today. And I got a, was able to speak in a workplace there. And just as I was leaving this building, a, a man came up to me. He was heavily tattooed all over his face. And he'd been inside a few times. He's a very, very tough character. I, I mean, you could just see that in his, in his presence as a person. Mm. Um, and he said to me, I'm 64 years of age. And I've never shared with anybody, but I was sexually abused by my brother, by his stepbrother or his half-brother. Um, and he said, today you shared about not having any shame and just being able to talk. And I've struggled with self-harm for the last three years because I, I don't know how to live with this anymore. He had lost his wife, had committed suicide or taken her life uh, within the last year because she had suffered sexual abuse and didn't know how to talk about it. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, and I, and I am open and honest about this to encourage people to speak to people because you can talk openly. I want them, I want anybody that's listening to this podcast to observe your thoughts and you're listening in this moment when you're listening to me share about this and realize that there's no judgment in that space about what I'm sharing. There's an understanding and a connection to what happened, but I can totally tell you that it's not something for you to carry anymore. You can seek support. There are people there that are, are people that want to help you get past where you're at in life and this thing that continually comes up and stops you. For me and for people that may be listening to this, what I didn't realize, Brian, was in my relationships that I, I would physically please uh, my wife and my ex-girlfriend, and that was such a huge thing for me. Um, but emotionally, I, I didn't know how to talk properly, and yep. I didn't know how to connect with them. Now, I was told by my psychologist that that is an impact of sexual abuse and that because of the sexual act, there's a, a lot of, um, there's a lot of, I suppose, significance placed around the physical side of sex and yeah. the release or the orgasm around sex. Um, that's what the abuse is ultimately perpetrated for us to get a release of some sort. But then the emotional side, because there's a disconnect with you know, the sexual abuse and that it was only physical and then it's all over, um, I wasn't able to connect with them emotionally. And so I didn't realize the impact of that on my relationships. I totally understood when my psychologist said to me, this is the way that you would have been in your relationships and seeing that your partner was maybe suffering or needed support from an emotional point of view, but you weren't able to give it. And I was like, wow, shit, I didn't realize it. Um, and look, that was a symptom of my sexual abuse. And I, sort of went through life wondering at times why I was a certain way of thinking, uh, not realizing the impact of the physical abuse also uh, that caused me to have anxiety and, and be really, really uncomfortable when there are verbal exchanges. And that went back to my childhood as well when my mum would be at my dad as soon as he got in from work and she'd be just, you know, hey, those kids, those kids, those kids. Um, and especially that boy, that boy, I was known as that boy, mate, when I was growing up. Yeah. And so I knew once the old lady started on her line, hey, that boy, that my ass was going to get smashed. And obviously, like I've shared earlier, I would have, depending on whether we'd been playing up or not or, or being full of energy, I was a kid that was certainly full of energy. Uh, I, I would have already hidden any weapons the old man could could use. And, you know, normally it would be either with his hand or with his with his foot that I'd get a hiding, but hey, that was a lot better than being hit with a shovel or you know with with a broomstick or anything else that was held around the house at that time to be able to be used. Um, yeah. So look, this was sort of the background of my life and and growing up and being impacted by those sorts of things. And I moved here to Australia 
as an 18 year old. And, um, you know, what a wonderful citizen to, to arrive in your country you know, <laughs> via a British Airways flight. The only time I've been on British Airways. <laughs> <laughs> Blame People the there might say, shit, the British only deliver shit anyway. The way yeah. they, they come over. In fairness, it was a good flight over. But, hey, I arrived in Australia um, on the 19th of August, 1994. And, um, you know, it's a day that I remember because it's a day that also my auntie passed away as well, too. Um, so the, the 19th of August is a day that I don't forget, obviously, because that's the time that I started my life here in Australia. But look, immediately from when I landed here in Australia, it was certainly a, a totally new mindset. Uh, it was a different culture of being open and expressive about the way you are in New Zealand. Um, you weren't open and you weren't a loudmouth. The culture there would determine whether you were good or not, and they would say so. Um, it's probably similar to that tall poppy syndrome that exists in our society to a degree here. Yeah, uh, definitely. They don't like people that talk about themselves and whatnot. And in some ways, it can be so disempowering to who we are. And it really stops people from having a level of self-love where they just want to acknowledge themselves for what they've done. And I've, certainly for me, that's been something that I've introduced into my life a lot in the last couple of years is about self-love and acknowledging myself for the great things that I do. Because for many years, and going back to that conversation that I was talking about earlier about interrupting that conversation that we're having with ourselves about ourselves, the conversation that I would have with myself on the daily was that I was a piece of shit, that I was worthless, um, that I was a failure. And that was the narrative, the story that would just go round and round and round in my head all day, every day. And then when you put it into the mix of being sexually abused and physically abused and not being able to communicate powerfully at all, then, you know, meeting a girl, it wouldn't matter what girl I met, but look, it's probably a recipe for a failed relationship even before it starts. Yeah. And I think, you know, for many relationships and for many people that go through experiences in their life where they're not able to articulate the impact of it, where they're not able to express it, where they don't even know how to or where to start, they then go into these relationships. And that's why we've seen uh, such a breakdown in so many relationships and marriages these days. Um, look, I got married, man. I, I, you know, I played rugby league here. I always wanted to be a rugby league star and played over here in, in Perth for the Western Reds. I was able to oh, try back in the Reds day. Yeah, back in the I remember, I remember the Reds, mate. Definitely remember the Reds. Yeah. So I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to play over here. And then in 1996, a, a man by the name of Steve Rogers, he's one of the greatest rugby league players ever for Australia. Legend. Uh, he later took his own life. Um, he cut us from the Reds. There was the whole Super League war for those rugby league tragics that are, you know, passionate about rugby league. And yeah. um, we, got, we got cut in that. I got cut from the Perth Reds, it was called. Then they moved from the Western Reds to the Perth Reds in 96. And literally, I think it was a week or two before the comp started, uh, we got cut. I went, went and ended up playing rugby union here in Perth. And that started me with an affiliation with rugby union, which I later went on and uh, commentated the first ever Super Rugby games here in Perth and commentated the Super Rugby here with the Western Force for, I think it was three years and done test matches. And, you know, we used to broadcast into New Zealand and South Africa, so that was a, a great experience for me. But yeah. in 97, I moved up to Karatha and played some rugby league up there in the Northwest and had 18 months up there and got a call from an old rugby league coach that coached me at the Western Reds. His name is John Dorohy. Um, he had coached Wigan to the I think it was the 1993 or 94 Challenge Cup and they won the World Club Challenge and that as well. And, you know, he's, he's quite famous on the east coast of Australia. Um, and well-known, he was the first captain of the Illawarra Steelers uh, back in the day. And he was a coach of mine and rang me up and 
sort of offered me another opportunity to try and crack it. So I moved from Karatha down to Wollongong. I uh, lived in Wollongong and played rugby league down there in the Carlton Cup for the West Red Devils in 1998. Um, and things didn't really go to plan there. I had some issues with my girlfriend at the time and, um, and having issues and we sh- should have probably separated. I got her pregnant. So we ended up, I was all of a sudden going to be a father and she moved over to Sydney with me. Um, I played in the Metro Cup in 1999 um, and early 2000 and then injured myself in a workplace accident. By that time, I'd had a daughter, my oldest girl, Harmony, um, who's 20 now. And um, my girlfriend at the time got pregnant with my oldest son, Caleb, and she wanted to move back to Perth. So we moved back to Perth, mate, come over here, and we ended up getting married. We got divorced. It was a messy separation and all those sorts of things that you go through. I had restraining orders put on me, so I know the impact of those and going into court and uh, being done over by child support and you know, not having support services there um, and the breakdown of a marriage, um, being able to see my kids when my, the mother of my children determined that I would, you know, having to pay child support or being, you know, befriended when she wanted money and whatnot. I've been through all of those challenges. Yeah. Um, and then amongst those things, I had challenges with, with drugs, with drinking and with gambling. Um, as my coping mechanisms behind all of those things. And those were things that were increasing and getting worse in the background as well too. So uh, I've had a pretty interesting walk in life so far, Brent, if that's to put it in a short uh, nutshell, even though that was the long way about going who I am. So when, mate, it's it's an incredible, it truly is an incredible story. It's an incredible journey. So just before we kind of get stuck in that next question, just thank you at first for, for just being so open and sharing that, that story and uh, I just, you know, it was half that time I was nearly in tears just listening to that. It was just incredible, mate. And it's just what a journey to be able to go on and then to, to now that I know where you are now, you know, to be able to look back on that journey and, and to see where you are now. When was, when was that moment? When, when was the moment when you said, fuck me, I need to, I need to change my life? Oh, well, oh, part of it was in the breakdown of my relationship to my ex-girlfriend, uh, you know, like she left me and I loved her and but my internal dialogue was just wreaking, wreaking havoc with me yep. uh, but I'd done a self-development course uh, coming up three years ago the landmark forum and that really had me alter the whole way that I saw myself and for the first time in my life I thought wow I made up all these stories about the type of person that I was and it wasn't true and yeah. so I started to learn about myself mate. Um, you know I started to change and I understood things about being a father so my relationship with dad had changed and uh, like I said even though those things happened to me when I was young uh, my relationship with my dad is fantastic and great and you know we just shared an incredible moment in Sydney only a few weeks back at the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras where he drove the uh he drove my float you know created a float with Hucker for Life and the old man drove the float and um we held a a birthday for him after it and he got really really emotional and said wow this is one of the greatest things i've done in my life but for him he disappeared his thoughts about the gay and lesbian community yeah it disappeared at 72 years of age oh, look i'm not gay at all but um, i'm just passionate about standing for life in, in any community but it was such a great moment for me to be able to impact my dad in such a positive way um, to see that he's just like me and you and it doesn't matter who we are you know when we go through the experiences and there might be people that have experienced a lot worse than what I have and what I've described today. But, you know, when you really get connected to the impact that 
life experiences have on people, then you certainly change your mindset about people. And you know, I, I share the way that I share because there are so many people that have been through similar experiences to what I've been through, and we're just not present to the fact that they've been through that. There are men that uh, that have been through it and they're, they haven't even shared it. Yeah. And they've ended up a particular way and people see them as that, just thinking that they're, they're that way because they're a wanker or they're stuck up or they're, you know, they're just different or they're weird or whatever. But, you know, it's the fact that they haven't been able to articulate the impact of experiences that have been had on them in their lives. So, and what I want people to know and understand is that these men are beautiful men. You know, if, if you were impacted by somebody sexually abusing you and, and you know, causing you to be sexually active at about eight or nine years of age, hey, you're going to be fucked in the head to a degree. You know, if you're a, a six-year-old kid that gets his head punched, um, you know, by a man and you're continuously beating, get beaten, guess what? You're going to be a particular way. Yeah, definitely. You know, if you're going to start experimenting with drugs at 13 or whatever, um, guess what? You're going to be a particular way. Mm. So that's why I say these these podcasts and conversations like this are early intervention tools because they're conversations that we have to create and have out there for people to understand that, hey, there are better ways of going through life. My whole mindset's changed about drugs and, and how things are there. Um, you know, and, and even having these conversations to be able to openly encourage people to seek support and seek help. Um, and yep. there's nothing wrong with them. You know, at the end of the day, um, there is nothing wrong with them as well. Yeah. You know, any person would be that way if they've gone through those experiences in life. hundred percent. Even if, And even if we're just talking about mental health, just mental health on its own. So something like depression, something like anxiety, the statistics these days will say um, Black Dog yeah. Institute did a report. Um, I think it was released in 2017 from, this is off the top of my head. I can probably Google that at some point and, and put that report in there. I can link it in the show notes, but um, they had a report that says that essentially it says that over at some point in their life, 50% of Australians will go through some type of mental health illness, whether it's, or mental health uh, challenges within their life. So whether that's depression, whether that's anxiety, whether that's post-traumatic stress, whether that's um, what, whatever that is, there's this 50% of people that are going to go through it. The other 50% of people will know someone within their close one to three to four type of people or type of groups, I guess, that are going through it. So when we talk about, you know, mental health in, in general, it is, you, you're not any different to the person next to you. Like literally everyone is going to go through it or is going to be touched by it in some form or way. Like you, you're no different. Like you're just a normal person. You know, you might, yeah. sit, you might sit there and think, fuck, this is affecting me and no one else knows my struggles. Well, you know, they may not have your story, you know, I'm, I sat down, I resonated so much with your story because we have two completely different stories. You know, people can, uh, my listeners can go back. They've already probably may have already listened to my story. If they haven't, they can go back and listen to it. It's completely different to yours. However, the voices that go through your head are exactly the same. So it's not about the journey of how you get there. It's about what you're actually experiencing at the time. And those experiences you're having are no different to what the person next to you is having. It's just a different context. That's all it is. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Um, you know, the conversations like this need to be created and we need to have more of these sorts of things. The great thing for people to understand is that it's just being human. You know, like you say, we're all going to go through it. Um, nothing is wrong. 
you know, we, we stigmatize stuff, you know, around mental health and mental illness and people are even afraid to admit that anything's wrong with them because of the stigmatization of anything that you declare should I might have a mental illness and people will shut down again, but it's called just being a human. We, we all go through it. You know, we, we're all going to be challenged by it. And that's why, that's why I love being invited on podcasts like this mate, or to create conversations around this stuff that's unscripted stuff that we just share openly because it just gets people connected authentically to the fact that, Hey man, this is just, this is how human sharing should be. Yeah. And it's, it's actually empowering. It's not disempowering. There's, it's the opposite of, Oh shit, you'll be judged. Um, you know, people, you're going to feel bad, you know, um, people will say different things, but it's literally when you're listening to these and even myself to be able to share in these moments, it, it, it all disappears about the worry about what people think. It just doesn't even exist, you know, but we give people an access to be able to communicate in a way that they normally don't. Yes. hundred percent, mate. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. And so how have you actually, um, have you seen this help? men or men in particular, but not even men, just, just women as well. Have you, have you seen the Hucker for Life project really come along and help people? Well, Hey, look, I, I share the, the way that I do here with you, with, with our Hucker for Life people too, and any camps or any events that we create, it's all around people being open and being ex- expressively themselves, you know, sharing the different stories and the different challenges that we go through. Uh, I just created not long ago was the Mardi Gras. We put a float in the Mardi Gras. Yep. Uh, the LGBTIQ community suffer the highest rates of suicide of any communities that we have. And for me to be a stand for all life and for me to be my word, well, then how I've got to stand for them as well. Bloody oath, mate. Yeah. And so that's why I, you know, put Hucker for Life inside of that conversation by putting a float there, not just giving it lip service and coming on a, a podcast or going on some of my videos and saying, hey, I stand for that community. Uh, well, you know, how do you know that we stand for the community? Well, I put a float in there and I jumped on the float myself. Yeah. And we did, we did the hucker and uh, the corroboree up, up Oxford Street and we shared our message and got people connected. Uh, we got an award for it as well, a commendation, special commendation award. So that's how you know that we're in that sort of conversation to be able to stand for life and to be able to have those sorts of conversations. Um, you know, the other one was the Muslim community. Yeah. Again, another stand for life. Hey, a controversial... Uh, community is the Muslim community and the religion and the faith and everything that comes with it. And for me to be able to learn so much in the last couple of weeks about them has just been extraordinary for me in my life and the way that I've gone about things and the way that I am as a human being. But, you know, it just makes me, I suppose, reflect on who we are as human beings. And at the end of the day, what I, what I continue to see is that we're all the same, man. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether it's a gay pole dancer that comes and jumps on a hucker float that's never that's an Australian, you know, like yeah, and um, just wanting to connect a, a community of people where he feels accepted. What I've seen is that when you openly express yourself and create a space where you're sharing and you're and you're vulnerable, that that it, it's a powerful way to be able to interrupt the conversation that people are having with themselves because they're so used to people not sharing. They're not used to a man or, or anybody for that fact coming out and saying, hey, I was sexually abused. I was physically abused. I've had this happen. I've had that happen and, and that happen. People don't go and share those sorts of things. So when they see that and they hear it, it's like, well, shit, that's an interruption to the story that I had about the way that we should share as human beings. Yeah. 
you know, you get people's attention. For anybody that's listening to the podcast, I can promise you 100%, Brent, that the moment that I mentioned about sexual abuse, we had their attention. Yes, definitely. And, and that's, it's, it's not because I want to, it's not, not for any particular reason other than the fact that I want to free them from any of that internal dialogue that has them bound about them being a particular way or a particular type of person. Yeah. So this is how I've seen that you interrupt it and unlock it and have human beings share and start being open. That's why I had a 64-year-old man come up that's never shared with anybody in his life that I've been sexually abused and what shall I do about it? Yeah. I think that I had a, I had a similar moment, obviously um, not with, not with secular, sexual abuse from, from my background story, but I, I had a similar, similar moment where I was giving a speech in front of about, um, or was a part of a panel, I guess, of speakers in front of about 500 people a couple of years ago. And it was the biggest, biggest kind of audience I'd um, kind of spoken to uh, at the time. And I was sitting there having a, you know, talking, telling my story and stuff like that. And, and you're going through this stuff, going through the stuff that I go on my podcast and to, speaking about how you, how you can change your life and how you can, how you can start to do things and start to think different ways and, and those types of things and, and learn those different tools. And at the end of the, um, the end of the day, I just got a, a message through on LinkedIn and, and I, you know, I, I actually haven't been back and, and reread the message since so I can't, I couldn't remember the guy's name and I certainly won't, won't say it on the podcast anyway, but it, it, I had a bloke message me who I, I'd never spoken to. I'd never met, didn't meet him on the day. Um, well, I don't remember meeting him. If I did meet him, I met a lot of people that day, but I don't, don't think I met him. And, um, and he just said to me, mate, you know, I really appreciate your, your speech. And I, and I've actually sat down with my wife and, um, you know, I've, I've checked myself into hospital today because it's because I want to I want to make a difference in my life. I want to change my life, and yeah, that's the moment. The same as when that you know that that fellow came up to you and said, "I've I've spent all these years, you know, being sexually or having this burden on me of sexual abuse and not being able to deal with it." You know, it's it's that moment where you say, "Fuck, what I'm doing here is good." You know, this is this is changing lives. Because you, know, you don't know those people from a bar of soap. It's not like you're affecting the people, you know, the five most important people in your life. You're, you're affecting complete strangers. And that's what I love about Hucker for Life, mate, is just that, you know, th- that mental health doesn't discriminate and, and neither does Hucker for Life. Like you, you yeah, just, yeah. A suicide doesn't discriminate, Bren. Bloody you know, okay, like, mate. And that's what we've got to be. So if I want to be serious about it, I mean, I share about my uh, struggle with ice, you know, or pee in New Zealand, they call it ice, but crystal meth. Yep. Um, two years crystal meth free. I, I know how to overcome it. You know, some of that is sharing too. I, I look, it's impacting our society like a, a drug never has before in the existence of humankind. So I'd speak about that and my struggles openly. You know, I, I've, I've been there, packed it, smoked it. Um, I haven't injected that, that drug, but I've injected um, other drugs. But, you know, not crystal meth, but I was a, um, a huge crystal meth user. I mean, all those things I, I share about, I, again, I don't hide, about, um, hide from it. It's just coping mechanisms that I used. And when I trace it back, I'm, I know there's conversations around marijuana and the drug use of marijuana and whether it is a gateway for people to access drugs. My experience, absolutely and utterly yes. And for anybody else to say otherwise, they're a bullshit artist, straight yeah. up. Um, you know, and in some ways, I was having a conversation the other day about what we're seeing with children these days is they're, they're skipping marijuana. Some of these are going hard out straight on to crystal meth. So straight it's on a conversation. Yeah, straight on to cocaine, um, you know, whatever it is, or speed. I mean, you don't see speed much these days. 
Um, but, you know, it's really crystal meth is the biggest one that's really impacting us. But, you know, that's a conversation that I'm able to have and be able to support families around, especially ones that were there trying to support their loved ones to get off it or to break a habit. And I only had a conversation not too long ago with some very close friends that I was um, helping and supporting through a, a moment that a mate, close friend of mine, was really struggling with it. And I said to his partner, you know, there comes a stage where you've, you've got to not manage the person, but you have to manage the drug and to be able to shut the drug down to be able to get to the person. Yeah. And for people that are listening to the podcast, again, they'll understand. If you've used ice, you, you know exactly what I mean. You know, it's for us people that have overcome it or in conversations about overcoming it or wherever you're at in your journey with it. I mean, I don't judge again. It's, I'm certainly no person to judge. It's just for me to share and to you know, open up people to a conversation that, hey, I can overcome this sort of stuff. But they'll know. I mean, you know um, what you do as, a, as an ICE user and the moments that you'll pick and choose and the things that you'll say and how it stays in existence in your life. And a lot of people that are supporting people um, that are on the drug and they haven't been on the drug themselves uh, are really so powerless in the way that they approach fighting that drug because they just don't understand it. Yeah. And so what there is... What is it? What? How do you actually overcome it then? What What are the steps that you took? I guess to because this is this is fascinating for me because it's it's such an issue in today's society and and I've seen it impact so many people's lives. How how and I and I'm not a not a drug user at all. I've used um you know I have used I guess I've done recreational drugs in the past um uh, but nothing nothing hardcore I guess nothing like ice or anything like that but um but how do you so ecstasy is not a I can have an open conversation that doesn't bother me um hey to put it simply Brendan how I started it was the conversation to myself I don't need this anymore okay yep as as simple as it is that's what it was yeah I, I don't need it have the conversation when you're packing the pipe or loading up the needle or the pick whatever you call it. It's a, pretty hard, it's a pretty hard conversation to have, that one, when you're talking about addiction. Yeah, but, it's, but that's, see, what happens is that we observe conversations in our mind and we don't speak them out. Yep. Now, the power of words and the power of starting a conversation. You know, if, 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 if let's say hypothetically that I'm a, a drug user, we'll use the pipe, you know, we'll use yep. ice yep. As, as an example. Um, if I'm just observing it and packing the pipe, you know, half the time I knew that I didn't need it. It wasn't good. You know, it's good for the first hit or whatever it does for a few hours and then maybe a day or two. Or, you know, once you start going into day three and four and stuff, all of a sudden your whole demeanor and your whole um, persona and all that starts to change. But a lot of the time during that time when I'd use, never once did I actually say to myself, I don't need this. Yeah. And, and as much as I would self-sabotage at times, especially when I was on the come down or you're a couple of days into a bender and, hey, all the novelty's worn off and you're just on the pipe for the sake of being on the pipe. Yeah. You're just packing gear just to stay awake when you really know, should I should just go to sleep or, or just be disconnected from it? Or in my case, I'd start to feel like shit because I'd been on a bender again um, and then want to distance myself from it. At no stage did I say, I don't need it. Now, I started introducing the conversation to myself, I don't need this. I literally don't need it. I, I don't need this, you know, every time. And it was every time that I'd sort of come to the pipe and then there's, I, I started to declare to friends, hey, I don't, I don't need it. I, I don't want to be on it anymore. And so I started telling my friends because at that stage there were a lot of people that I was around uh, that, that consumed that drug. Yep. So I'd say to them, hey, I don't want this anymore. 
and you know what hey i need you to help me to get off it i didn't say those words that i need you to help me to get off it but hey, i don't want it anymore man so if i ask you for it tell me no yeah and yep. it's quite interesting that that a number of my friends that were on the drug would actually acknowledge me and, and say oh hey good on you you know for many of them that are locked into the cycle of especially ice hey they know the impact that it's having on their lives and the impact that it's had on them as a person or even their relationships how do they know that because a lot of their relationships are probably in breakdown or there's a lot of turmoil that shows up around their lives or there's a lot of scarcity with money or just their whole way of being you know life shows up a certain way so those were the conversations that i started to create for myself um and, and I just started to declare it. That was the secret to it all. As simple as it is, it was just how I don't need it. It's, it's no different to somebody that's on a diet, you know, and wanting yeah. to lose weight. Hey, man, I don't need this Coca-Cola. Yeah. I don't need this Big Mac, um, you know, whether you're an alcoholic. Hey, I, I don't need another pint. I don't need this alcohol. But we don't create conversations for ourselves as simple as that that we put into existence because that's a conversation that we now put into existence that wasn't there previously. A lot yep. of our, our thought process we actually observe, especially the negative talk that we have with ourselves. So that's a way of interrupting that story that, you know, that is in existence where we just observe a lot of the self-sabotage uh, self talk or the negative talk that we have about ourselves. Um, so simply just saying, hey, I, I don't need this. You know, seek support services. Be honest. Another part of it was just being honest about where I was. Um, you know, for me, I, I share the fact that I had ice because I liked it, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could give you a big sob story, and especially from the stuff that I've shared today about, hey, I suffered sexual abuse and physical abuse, and, you know, my partner cheated on me and blah, 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 blah. All of these things as excuses that I could put there to justify it. But there were times in life, Brent, where, where life was good, and I had no reason to choose to go on ice, but I, I still did it. Yeah. So for me, it was about owning my shit and being responsible and say, you know what? I'm just, I had it because I liked it, man. I'm not going to give you a, a shit story. And, yep. it was, I, and that's the way it was. I love it, man. I love your honesty and I love your, I love just the, this, yeah, the pure honesty that you're giving right here to listeners is just, that's incredible, mate. It truly is. And it's, well, uh, this is how we got to be, you know, and the reality yeah. I can have the conversation with a drug user, but not from a place of judgment, man. Like I don't, I've been there, you know, I'm sharing, I'm not no man to judge at all, but I can have an honest conversation where some people are unable to because they don't create the clearing for a person to want to open up. Now, I mean, I can tell a possum when I see one and I mean a possum by a guy that's on, you know, or a girl that's on, on, the, on the pipe. I mean, I went for a walk yeah. uh, down to a local beach here um, in Perth the other morning with my daughter. And, and it's 8.30 in the morning. We're along the beach and there's a bloke dressed like he's come from a nightclub standing in the water with a girl that's dressed like she's come from a nightclub and she's got these sort of freaky sort of shades on. And my daughter said, oh, look, Dad, they're, they're a bit different. I said, oh, that's because you know, they've been on the pipe all night. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, what? And I said, oh, you know, they've been on the, on the crack pipe, man. That's, she's like, how do you know? And I said, because that was me. Yeah. Now that's that's the stuff that I used to do when I was on it. Go down to a beach, you know, dressed in nightclub clothes, thinking that I was normal at 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning and think that nobody picks up on it. But, hey, having been a former user, 
Um, I, I know those things. I can have those conversations with people. You know, these conversations relatively straight up with people. When was the last time that you used? Um, tell me exactly. Yeah. Not because I want to drive out that they're wrong. It's just, hey, man, if we're going to have an honest conversation about you getting real about getting off this drug, then we need to stop talking shit and be real, man. Ah, love it, mate. That's the only way. So what are your, what are your goals for 2019 and beyond then? Especially with, with yourself and then with, with Hucker for Life as well. Yeah, with myself is to continue to transform. I'm in a self-development program for me, which I've got another five months in it, mate. It's been a two-year program for me. It's a team management and leadership program. So there's, there's areas of my life that I really want to transform around uh, money and that as well for me is, is the asking for money. Like I do a lot of the work that I've done. I quit my job June last year. I was yep. a union organizer and I just wanted to follow this passion about sharing people, uh, sharing with people and, and trying to save lives. But what I've seen is that you can't live on bread alone. You know, no. got to call Too many money. <laughs> Yeah, I've been unemployed for the last sort of nine months and really wanted to empower myself around saying to people, hey, I can't continue to do this for free. So there's, you know, workplaces and organizations where I'll eventually put myself out there as, as a person that can change that space. There's many people uh, that are out there that are known and renowned for uh, motivational speaking that have been well paid. There's very, very few that I've observed that are as open and, and raw as I am in the way that I share. Definitely. I'm not saying that I'm better than them. No, just what a I am saying is different that, story. Yeah, I've got a different story, but I, I won't hide behind any academic papers. I won't hide behind making myself look good, but I can absolutely and utterly impact any space that I walk into because I'm just, I just share authentically, man. And I yeah. believe that it's this type of vibration and this type of sharing that's going to impact people's lives and, and really causes a change in that moment. Um, so it's for me to disappear wanting to ask and um, you know, empower myself around that. I want to continue working on myself with my communication and life and being as effective as I can be. I want to build a closer relationship with my children because as part of this journey, one of the things that I've noticed is that I, I give a lot of energy and time to people and I've seen I can spend more time with my children. So that's, uh, I want to spend time with my children because um, they, um, hey, when I was, um, they kept me alive. If I didn't yeah. have my children meet when my marriage broke up, I was, I was going to do myself. In. And there were times when I just couldn't turn my head off, man. And the, the thoughts just wouldn't stop. And had I not had my children, um, I wouldn't be here any longer. I'm absolutely clear about that. Um, so to honor my children and to honor their loyalty to their dad, I want to build a close relationship with them. Not that it's not a part or anything. It's just, it's just there for me to, to get present to this moment in life and the celebration of life that I've got and to know that the things that I stood for and the reason I stayed in life was to be with my children. So I want to strengthen that relationship and enjoy that as much as I can. Um, I've got Anzac Day coming up shortly. It's the second time ever that we'll have a hucker and a corroborate for any service anywhere in the world. So I really want to empower that, have that be as great as it possibly can. And I want to also create some other huckers and corroborates at other services in Perth to be able to grow our message. Um, later on in the year, I'm actually going up to America and doing some empowerment stuff with, with a great friend of mine, Jedi Azuma, in America in September. And I'm going to be teaching 100 American men the hucker. Um, yep. and having them express themselves in a way that they've never expressed themselves. And we're going to be doing the hucker on the on uh, Venice Beach. 
Uh, yeah, so wow. I'm really, really looking forward to that. That's going to be something that'll, um, for me to be able to measure the impact that I can have um, internationally. And mm. so I'm looking forward with excitement to that. Um, finishing off my self-development course and being able to introduce myself mm. into the world as a, as a public speaker and, and a motivational speaker as well and just continue having these conversations, mate, and, and, and actually and, and maybe finding a, a girlfriend I've been single for a few years, so... We'll, um, we'll put your contact details at the end, mate. So if anyone wants to get in touch, they can just reach out. <laughs> well, and then sometimes talking to some of my mates that come to me for advice and have a chat, it's like, oh, maybe I should just stay single for a bit Yeah, more. yeah. We got it. We got about a, a, about a 30% listen rate, I reckon, that's female. So 30 to 40%, mate. So we, which is which is quite incredible when you think about it. It's a podcast aimed at men, but this the... You know, we have so many women that comment that love it and they just they just get around it mate they love it and so you know there's always the option we could turn into a dating service <laughs> well you, you never know hey and for, and for those ladies that that share i mean there's i, I i've seen an impact that it's had on ladies is, is yeah. sharing this way as well too and i think for them they would for, for many of them they wish that they had more men that could articulate themselves in this manner yeah uh, be open and authentic but in, inside of that as well too what I've seen is that it empowers those women to be able to be self-expressed. When, when women around men that they feel safe and secure with, they will open themselves up. And, and mm. I really believe that that's a part of why they like men uh, to open themselves up, especially men that they're connected to in a relationship as well too, whether it be their father or their brother or uncle or, or grandfather or even their spouse or, or, or you know, boyfriend for that matter. Um, that's what's there and, and available from my insights. Um, you know, observing women behavior. Um, and I just remembered on that, actually, I'm, I'm starting up my life coaching um, services in, in the coming week, mate. So I'm, um, I'm putting my website together. It's something that I've been active at. And my sister on a phone call from New Zealand today said, look, you should really be promoting yourself as a communicator with women because you're quite effective with that. So yeah, th- those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to creating in the next year and, and having myself be active, man. It's unreal, mate. It's unreal. So it's actually a good segue into talking about dating services. And that. Now, how, how can people contact you if they do want to reach out? Um, oh, look, uh, Hacker for Life, uh, I, I, the Hacker for Life uh, web uh, um, Facebook page, um, Leon Murray on, on Facebook. Or if they, um, I don't know if I'll give my phone number out. It might be a wise thing. But, uh, <laughs> you, know, you can um, those, go to those your, are the your email address. There. You've got the hello at hackerforlife.org. Yeah. Hello at huckerforlife.org is our email service. Maybe we can put that on the link here, mate. Um, Definitely, mate. Fantastic. But look, yeah, I'm, I'm always on Facebook. Uh, I'm always open to a conversation for empowering people. Um, like I said, I'm setting up my, my life coaching services and I'd love to be able to offer this service to somebody one-on-one or to, you know, the groups of people. Um, I've been putting myself through a lot of self-development to be a great communicator and to be a man that is able to listen effectively. That's probably something we haven't touched on much today, but, uh, the secret to it all, Brandon. Always, always a sequel, mate. There's always a sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you know, maybe we can cover listening in our, in our in the sequel, but that's really a huge part of uh, communication today. That's really, really missed is, is in the listening. So, yeah, um, definitely. I'm sure we can talk about that another time. Oh, mate, we could talk for hours about that one. That's it's you're you just nailed that one straight on the head as to how important that that actually is, and so. You know, you've, you've had a huge journey, man. You really have. And it's, it's such an 
incredible story. I mean, I fuck, I don't even know how long we're talking about, about an hour and a half, I think probably about an hour, but if you could give any advice to, to people out there that are struggling now, what would, what would you, what do you reckon it would be? Yeah. Believe in yourself. Yes. Absolutely. Believe in yourself. No matter what's happened to you, no matter the experiences, no matter the, the negative talk that you may have an existence about yourself, know that it's all made up, man. It's actually not reality. It's just something through your experiences in life that you made up about yourself. And it can absolutely without doubt be transformed. It's something that you can recreate and write a different story about who you are. Reach out to people, be wise in who you, who you talk and who you share with. Um, you know, trust your feelings and, and your thoughts at times too, but don't be captive to them in the same context as well. If you're stuck, it's okay to be stuck. We all get stuck, but reach out for help. You know, be yeah. active and be in action about what you need to do to forge your life. But I can promise you without doubt. And hey, man, I've shared some of my story. I mean, there's a lot more for me to share about who I am as well too. But, um, you know, you, you can see by my example that you can overcome things and you can get on here and have experiences like this and like we are today and be open and be expressive about the person that you are. Yes, 100%. And I just, I can't wait. I think I, my sister's just had a baby. So that's a good excuse for me to come over to Perth, mate. So I don't need yeah, to come, come, over, need, need to come over and visit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, but I've, I just can't wait to, to come over. We can sit down and, you know, over a beer or over a, whatever it is, just, just talk about life and, and just get stuck into what that future really holds. I just, I can't wait, mate. It's going to be, it's going to be unreal. And so, yeah. One of these questions that I kind of ask every guest that, that comes on um, is what does being a healthy bloke mean to you? Um, what does it being a healthy bloke mean to me? Yeah. What does that mean to you? Um, it, it, for me, it means that I can be everything that I dream that I could be for humanity. That, That's I can, powerful. that I can be the contribution that I've always dreamed of being and that I wanted to be as a human being. Yeah. That's what it means to me. Yeah. Mate, that is unreal. Mm-hmm. Now, as a, as a way of, I guess, signing off here, Leon, thank you so much for coming onto this podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you, mate. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for what you've shared with us today. And I just feel like this, this episode is going to be around for so long. It's going to help so many people just coming back and listening to this episode, mate. It's been an incredible journey. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Bren. Hey, it's, it's just been an honour. Um, you know, and it's something for people to take away. I, I remember when I wanted to take my life and my negative talk was that it's probably at its loudest. Yeah. Never, ever did I foresee a moment like this where I could be a contribution to share that story and to help people, you know, um, turn their lives around or to even save someone's life. So that's, that's what's there and that's what's available for people in life to overcome things and, and you can overcome any challenges that you're facing today. So I just want to thank you so much for who you are um, and the dedication that you have to, to men and to ensuring that these podcasts continue and that they get shared out there. I'm so grateful that you took on your mate's advice that heard me talking on a, on a radio show in Perth and yeah. you know, look at power and and look at your ability as a leader too to be open uh, to conversations because that's the only way that this got created today was by you being you man so i acknowledge you and i honor you for the man that you are 
Um, I wish you all the best. And if there's any time that I can empower your podcast or to stand by you and promote it, I'm more than happy to do that, brother. Mate, I I just have a feeling that we're gonna we're gonna work together in the future. We're gonna do some stuff together. I'm certainly gonna be a part of Hacker for Life. I can tell you that right now. And uh, and you know I'm can guarantee that you're gonna be back on the episode, back on the podcast. You know, in the coming months, and just to do a follow up episode, mate. It's gonna be unreal. Great stuff, brother. Thanks so much. Thanks, mate. Cheers. At the beginning of the episode, I did tell you that it was going to be a journey of an episode, and what an incredible journey it was. What an incredible story that Leon has, and he is going to be a regular person on this podcast in the future, I'm sure. I can't wait to get him back on. We can explore his story a bit more in depth. There's a lot of things there that we just didn't get time to get stuck into, but I'm super excited to get him back on in the future and to really delve into those details. Thank you all for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Please share this with people that uh, you think it may help the topics that we discussed today are just so impactful into people's lives and so if there's people out there that you know that have been through uh, these types of of traumas in their life then please please share this episode with them thank you again to everyone out there for your support Uh, i just love the feedback i love the comments and the reviews that we get from people on our social media pages on itunes Uh, but please if you uh, haven't already done so please jump onto itunes give us a rating give us a review i know that probably 95 percent of people that listen to the blogcast um and we've had i think it's around about seven and a half thousand downloads so far uh, about 95 percent of you guys come from itunes so please please jump on itunes give me a rating give me a review and let me know what you think of the blogcast and you could be featured on one of our upcoming episodes as legend of the week all right guys Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for your support and we'll catch you in the next episode. Cheers.